This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Welcome to the Bike Radar Podcast, brought to you by the team behind BikeRadar.com, Cycling Plus, and MBUK magazines. If you enjoy this episode, please subscribe. And if you can do so, leave us a rating on your podcast provider of choice. It really helps us reach other cyclists like you. Hello, and welcome to the Bike Radar Podcast. I'm Ashley Quinlan, Senior Road Tech Editor here at BikeRadar.com, and I'm joined today by Simon Von Bromley and Liam Carhill. Simon, how are you? Yeah, really good, thanks. Kind of just getting over a slight cold. I moaned about this in last week's podcast, and it's still kind of lingering on a little bit, so I will spare the listeners the details, but not bad, thanks. Good. What have you been up to recently, apart from recovering from a... From a uh... Well, that's uh, yeah, that's kind of put. We're supposed to be doing lots of bike of the year testing, as we keep mentioning on this podcast. Um, and I'm hopefully getting back into that this week. Um, but yeah, I've been testing a kind of. Well, I was going. I always say mid range for this sort of this sort of thing, but actually, it's you know, it was a it's a force axis equipped giant propel advanced pro zero axis, and it was uh, wow. it's about six point four thousand pounds which is is that mid-range do we think that's mid-range these, these days, days the yeah sad annoyingly that is mid-range but that was a f- very fun bike to ride yeah really good yeah. so i've been looking forward to having that review published yeah well we'll look forward to it when it comes out and liam how are you sir i'm very well thank you i've been doing the grand sum of zero riding <laughs> <laughs> i'm actually in like a big strength block in the gym and oh. so my body just does not work at all <laughs> for daily life or riding. So I'm sure, I'm sure that's not true. I, I'm sure on social media you you like to publish that you go on the Bristol Bath Pike Path. Or, I, you know, I do. To work. And then, you know what? I ride home again. Wow. Funny that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you, uh, you are getting some mileage in at least. A little bit. But mostly listening to Second World War podcasts. In the and, gym and whilst I, you pump iron. Yes. Yeah. I listen to... The pre-iron curtain. <laughs> there you go. 
very good. Very good. Right. Okay, look, we're here today to talk about aero testing and more specifically, an aero test that we performed recently at the Silverstone Sports Engineering Hub Winter Tunnel. Um, Simon, you've been uh, leading on this test and uh, I, I know, Liam, you, you're joining us today because you you had to step in, unfor- you know, unfortunately, because some wasn't very well during that weekend. So- and not unfortunately. Well, I, had a, I had a great time. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so, um, well, We've got this test that we've been we've been running, and uh, so we wanted to get in and have a quick discussion about it. Maybe uh, you know cover a few pointers around how we did some testing, and then uh, end with some of the key results, if if we may. And obviously, we'll point you to all the relevant places that you can uh, you can see the content that we've created around it. But uh, Simon, um, designer of said test, uh, what was the goal? Uh, you know, heading to the uh, wind tunnel to do it. So I think one of the things that is usually associated with you know aero bikes aero kit and all this sort of stuff is that it's this kind of you have to spend a lot of money and that like yeah maybe this stuff kind of can is is helpful but you know if someone wants to go out and buy a new aero bike you know as i've just we kind of said in the intro like you might have to you're probably going to have to spend thousands of pounds yeah. so what i was quite keen to do was to look at what are the kind of best value aero upgrades and you know how significant gains what are the kind of significant gains you can get you know without spending much money and i think we tested a kind of range of different products and then you know which i think is very helpful we've ordered them in a kind of you know best to worst value we've given them a kind of pounds to what saved sure. figure yeah. so you can decide what is definitively the best bang for buck aero upgrade and if the listeners think that we saved nothing we actually saved over 70 watts mm. Well, from base from from baseline yeah yeah wow so uh yeah liam what was the baseline the the baseline was me in my standard vented helmet this is what i'd go out at the weekend riding you know sure. in the summer vented you're helmet. a real cyclist i'm a real cyclist i'm a traditionalist <laughs> i'm a normal person i ain't slippery um so it was vented helmet uh jersey shorts and you know well fitted jersey as yeah. well it's a bike radar jersey it's exactly it's the best it's jersey a- <laughs> uh normal normal socks because uh, you know yeah you're a normal person i'm a normal person um and yeah i was riding in a relatively comfortable position on the tops Okay. At about 215 watts, I think it was. Yeah, sure. and that's for a wind speed of uh, 35 kilometers per hour. Ah, okay. And what wheels were you running on this Athos so people understand? Uh, they Not were, Athos, I'd say... Yes, Athos. Yeah, 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 yeah. They, they uh, were kind of entry-level wheels, so they were Mavic Askiums, um, a wheel set that I think every cyclist has probably had in their lifetime. <laughs> So I'm going to be a pedant now. I think you'll find they're called Axiom. Yeah, and I thought they were, that's what I thought, but it turned what? Ash corrected me in my tech check and I had to go look it up. I was like, what? No. Yeah. <laughs> that is the last 13 years yeah. of my life, pretty much. Exactly the same. I was like, oh, yeah, Mavic Askim, Mavic Askim. And then yeah, Ash, Ash corrected it in um, in my draft. I Talk couldn't believe to, it. to anyone if you're buying any Mavic Axioms. If you look at the rim, it says Axiom on it rather than Askim. Yeah, this is why but, he's senior tech. Uh, yeah, this, this is why is I didn't it. get the job. <laughs> I haven't had, <laughs> haven't had that promotion. <laughs> so what's it like being in the wind tunnel? Uh, windy. Uh, it's, you know what? Actually, you say it's windy. It is the most consistent headwind you've ever felt. It's, it's really, really weird the way that the air gets pulled over you instead of almost getting shoved in your face like you would find out on the road. Um, you a feeling of suction behind you. you. You know what? You can actually feel pockets of wake. Like, 
I am not the most aero person and my head sticks up. I've had plenty of teammates when I was racing tell me this, get your head down, get your head down. <laughs> no. Um, I want to see where I'm going. I, yeah, exactly. I, I could feel a little kind of pocket of air behind my head on, on the small of my neck. It was amazing. And is it chilly? Warm? It, you know what? Um, apparently it used to be really, really cold. But it's actually quite warm these days. Like it was not a warm day outside, and it was still like eighteen, nineteen in the wind tunnel. It was fine. I suppose temperature can affect airflow in response to response to things. Yeah, I, d- I don't know. I'm afraid that this, that wind tunnel. This this is kind of a little bit beyond my thing. I imagine they have a control for it. Yeah, obviously they have very fancy machines, don't they? And some very intelligent people who who sit at those machines and crunch all the numbers and i'm sure there's a kind of maybe it you know obviously temperature would affect the kind of the rolling resistance of the kind of rolling road that you're running on and so obviously if yeah, there are strain gauges in that rolling road in order to measure the drag force presumably there's an algorithm that kind of compensates for sure, temperature sure. to a degree but yeah, i don't really know <laughs> That's fine. well maybe it's a subject for a future podcast yeah exactly so um how did we carry out this test then uh you know what were the control we always we talk about sort of control parameters but what were the things that you were really had under control what did we keep the same so i think as with you know as with kind of any any type of controlled testing you kind of want to be changing you know basically one thing at a time so that you know it's that change that if, you know was the kind of the difference that you recorded if you do record a difference for example so yeah, as as kind of mentioned, and as with you know most standard wind tunnel tests, Liam Liam's bike was attached to a, a a kind of rolling road. You know, it was bolted in place. Liam sat on the bike, he pedaled, and I think Silverstone Wind Tunnel has a kind of like projection based system, so that the rider can make sure that they're sat, sat in the same position. Yeah, you've got uh, so they uh, so if you if you're changing your position, then obviously your position changes, and that is illustrated on the floor in front of you, but. If you are trying to keep the same position, you've got an outline of where your shoulders, arms, head was. So it's actually quite easy for even a rider like me that is all over the bike to keep a very, very balanced position. And one thing I want to say, you always think, or I always thought, when you go into a wind tunnel, you've got to be relatively fit and do 200, 300 watts or something like that. They, They literally had me rolling along in whatever gear I wanted to be in. As you know, when yeah. it started, and then you just kept it the same. It's interesting that, isn't it? Because obviously, you you want to keep it the same, so you've got like a benchmark. But it, you know, sometimes in reality, it could be that you're working harder, therefore you can't hold that position quite as as tightly. So there yes. is there is that sort of shortfall, real world shortfall to to testing in that way, I guess. When we come to talking about the real aero position, mm. this is something that we need to talk about because putting only 100 watts through the pedals is not a situation that you're going to find in a race when you're going to be wanting to use a you know a dedicated aero position so for me I'm a rider that is quite far forward on the saddle I'm quite low at the front and I need to you know if if I'm adopting an aero position I need to be putting out 3 400 watts and trying to cling to a wheel so that I can hold that position. Otherwise, it's a nightmare, as we found out. Yeah, well, I think it's interesting because you, you know, when you talk about, you know, wind tunnel, te- there's always the wind tunnel and CFD testing that we hear about in a lot of product launches, whether it's a bike or wheels or clothing, whatever it is. And then, you know, you've got the real world where, you know, a wind tunnel arguably can't replicate exactly what's going on in that real world and the environment and so on. So, I mean, is it fair to say that's a limitation to the testing? Uh, open to the floor. Uh, 
Um, I mean, yeah, it, it, it is to a degree um, in the sense that the real world, you know, the airflow is just much messier sure. when we're out in the real world. And so, like, things aren't going to be uh, exactly the same. But then at the same time, you know, if 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 we were to somehow, you know, mess up the airflow in the wind tunnel, mm. you know, that's going to mess with the results and you're just not sure what, you know, if you see then a, a gain or a loss, you know, is that gain or a loss due to the fact that you've messed up the airflow or something, you know? So it's kind of like the the, the kind of the cleanliness and the repeatability of the wind tunnel. Yeah, in a, in a sense, you might say that it's not ideal because it doesn't, you know, obviously we don't ride bikes in the wind tunnel, as you say, and like, yeah, you know, yeah. you, we can switch. What narrower bars were one of the things that we tested and, and in the wind tunnel, when you're bolted in place, you don't have to consider, oh, how easy would it be to handle this? And like, you know, likewise with a super aggressive time trial position, yeah, maybe, you you know, putting your head down in the wind tunnel and, and looking at your, you know, looking at your stem is really arrow in the wind tunnel, but not very helpful if you need to be able to see where you're sure. going outside, right? So, so there is a case of, you know, translating, yeah, see it whether it's CFD or, or wind tunnel results to the out to the outside world. And of course, you know, if you go if you go into the wind tunnel and so you go, this is the position you need to hold. Like, you know, are you going to hold it in exactly the same way when you're riding in the in the real world? That is that is open to discussion. Some people will be able to do that with practice. You know, other people might find it more tricky if the position is really difficult to hold. Of course, there are some things that you know will will translate better, for example, and some things that will translate worse. But I think in kind of favor of getting you know high resolution and high degree of repeatability, I think it kind of makes sense to have you know that kind of you know that that super controlled environment, even if it doesn't perfectly replicate the real world. Yeah, well, it shows you a, a snapshot, doesn't it? It, it? In a particular scenario, in a particular given time, um, I, we, we know we're, we're getting to the long grass about this, and let's not. But you know, you can you can sort of change different parameters in the wind tunnel and purposefully do that in order to uh, test how a product might uh, react to that. Or you know, if it's cleaner, for example, over a wider range, wider your angles, for example, then. Um, or even changeable conditions if you've got a very advanced uh, wind tunnel. I'm not even sure those exist. Right? Well, but it, it could be that, you know, you could be more efficient across a spectrum of changeable conditions in a given test test setup yeah. than you are, uh, you know, straight on or at five degrees or whatever it is. Yeah, totally. And, and so, you know, just kind of going back to what we tested at, we did, you know, we changed the wind tunnel speed to 35 kilometers per hour, which yeah. is slightly slower than, you know, most brands and most people would test at. Now, well, that's more realistic, isn't it? Well, it is more realistic for, you know, riders like, you know, perhaps us sitting around this table. Of course, if you're a pro cyclist riding in the Tour de France, and that's way too slow, yeah. right? Um, and, and, you know, even for when I'm time trialing, for example, you know, I hope I can you know still hit 40 kilometers per hour plus, hopefully, on a time trial bike. So it, it really is kind of like depending on what you're doing. But it also, you know, the disadvantage of testing at the slower speeds is because of the you know, kind of non-linear relationship between the power required to overcome aerodynamic drag and, uh, you know, speed, it, you're kind of like the wattage figures become a little bit smaller. You know, in a sense, that's, that's as you say, it's realistic, but it also means the kind of like resolution of your data also becomes a little bit a little bit, you know, you get less resolution if you test at a higher speed. And this is partly why brands like to do it is that you get a little bit, you know, a 1% gain might only get, you know, at kind of 35 kilometers per hour might give you a very, very small watt saving. And then you're like, well, is that just a kind of within the margin for error? Whereas if you test at a higher speed, you kind of get a more, the differences from that, you know, same percentage decrease in aerodynamic drag are more obvious and you just get a higher resolution picture and you can say, yes, that is definitely a gain and not just kind of noise in the data. 
So, and in terms of your, for example, yes, like it is important to, so your is essentially the angle of attack on the wind. So it's the angle at which the kind of wind is hitting you. So now at zero degree, your angle is, as many people will probably know, is a headwind. And then you go around to, you know, five, 10 degrees, and essentially you're, you're simulating crosswinds. Mm-hmm. Now, overall, the figures that we've given in our article and on our excellent video, and the figures that we'll give you today on this wonderful podcast, are going to be kind of, you know, your average drag. So it's a kind of, it's an average figure of the kind of power required to overcome that, that, you know, that gain is over the kind of like the, the course of that yaw. Now mm-hmm. for slower riders, slower riders tend to see uh, a larger swathe of your angles, basically. Yeah. As you get faster and faster, you tend to see typically shallower your angles, which is why you know, most things designed for the track are designed to work at really shallow your angles. Because the faster you go, essentially everything's a, everything becomes a headwind. Yeah, you're, ro- <laughs> you're rolling through. If you imagine you're rolling through a static static um, air, you're going effectively. You're you are encountering a headwind as you ride through that. You know because you are impacting it at the speed that you're riding at. Yeah, but, but slower. Yeah, exactly. But slower riders then see a slightly wider range of range of wind angles, and so it, you know. There's, you, know, you could argue that, yeah, you, maybe if you're a slower rider, you're going so you could optimize for, you know, kind of lower, like higher your situations. And we see that, see this with the design of ti- uh, triathlon bikes, for example, where they're kind of you're using kind of chunkier, truncated aerofoil tubes mm-hmm. that are designed to work over a kind of wider range of your angles compared to like a pure time trial bike, which would be optimized for going, you know, 50 kilometers per sure. hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but look, let's get down to brass tacks then. Um, you know, what are the what are the key findings that we have out of this uh out of this uh, wonderful test that we commissioned? So we we tested a total of seven things, and I can list them for you now. Maybe we'll just kind of go through them like one by one. But we tested uh, things like a road bike uh, speed suit or a kind of skin suit, you know, with uh, kind of pockets. We also tested aero wheels. Now those, you know, not necessarily a good value upgrade, but we thought they made a kind of, those kind of, Book bookended the top of what we might just you know if we're not going to be buying new bikes that's the kind of upper end price point of what you might get and let's be fair as well like that's what many people do when they want to improve their aero they don't say look at anything else it's right I've got shallow wheels or I've got say thir- you know thirty five mil deep carbon rim- rims I'm going to go up to fifty because that'll be make me more aero right that's exactly yeah it, it's kind of it's make. a kind of you know quintessential aero upgrade isn't yes. it so it felt that even though they you know they were slightly on the more expensive end it, it you know perhaps you know, maybe, maybe not represent a good value, which we'll kind of come on to in a minute. It was still relevant to have them in, but we also tested aero socks, which I know Liam has some very interesting opinions on. We'll come to later. (laughs) We tested aero road helmets and we also tested narrow handlebars. And then finally we tested clip-on aero bars, which are kind of, you know, clip-on triathlon bars or, you know, kind of time trial bars, you know, number of different names for them. And then obviously lastly, we also kind of tested uh, a kind of aerodynamic road bike riding position or the kind of... um, the aero hoods position, which is where you put your hands on the brake hoods and then you kind of crouch down low, get your kind of four, forearms horizontal. And it's like, like riding in the drops, but with horizontal forearms and hands on the brake hoods, basically. And the benchmark for that position change before that was just sitting up with your arms straight on the hoods? Yeah, as comfy as you would on the cafe ride. Sure. Nice, easy pace. We, we Yeah, we did. The, the, the very first change that we made in the wind tunnel was going from that hands up on the hoods to then a kind of more traditional position where you had your hands on the brake hoods, but with kind of straight arms sat up. And it's from that base, that sort of secondary baseline that we then made all the kind of changes towards like kit and things like that. But like, 
obviously the way we worked out the numbers, we've given basically a kind of a wattage gain and a time saved over 60 kilometers figure just for the each individual change. So when you go and view our lovely video or you see the article on our website or in Cycling Plus in this month's issue, you will be able to see all of those lovely statistics. And so at the end of it, we gave everything a uh, pound per watt uh, rating. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, because like I said, you know, the idea was to kind of find the best value mm -hmm. products as well. Because you know, as we'll kind of come on to in a minute, like aero wheels were a good were a good saving. They actually worked kind of you know slightly better than we thought, uh, or certainly slightly better than I thought. But you know, at the end of the day, they are still quite expensive. So. You know, in terms of pounds per watt, the, the kind of figure still comes out quite high compared to something like you know, body position, which is you know changing your body position on the bike is free. Free um, plus a little bit of guidance. So as a, yeah, a yeah, a bit of a caveat on that. No. <laughs> Do it in your shed. Yeah, well, yeah exactly. Well, we, we can we can all sort of work out you know a, a good optimizations to make you know on ourselves in our position, can't we? So um, yeah, take us through some of those results then. Okay, so the first one we tested was a, as I said, like a, a kind of road bike speed suit. And specifically, we tested one from LeCole. Now, that saved Liam 3.69 watts at 35 kilometers per hour. And given it cost £395, that led to a cost per watt of £106.96. Uh, um, so now, so 3.69 watts doesn't sound like much. You know, admittedly, it isn't really. But over 60 kilometers, that saves you 30 seconds. So perhaps, you know, if you were racing, you know, 30 seconds free is nice to have, right? I mean, but like, it wasn't the most comfortable thing to wear, was it? No, it's, uh, it's, we should also say it's possibly not the fastest skin suit you can get. It's uh, certainly not the easiest one to get on mm. uh, for me and my body uh, type. Um it has a very low <laughs> cut neck, so all of my chest hair was on display, which you might be listening to that and it's doing stuff for you. But, <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't want to go out on the club run in it because um, it would look a bit silly. It's also got ridiculously long legs that like basically cover your knees. Um, so, yeah, not, not my favourite skin suit, I have to say, but four watts, essentially... And if we were testing at higher speeds, maybe it would have been more as well. Yeah, I, I think this is kind of one of those things where this this was made for uh, the kind of Bahrain uh, victorious pro team. And I imagine that the fabrics that they're using are optimized for higher speeds. I think they're going a bit faster than I can. Yeah. Most so of their positions are naturally going to be a bit more sort of pro-esque as opposed to your position, which is good. But it's, uh, not it's okay. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. so it's that kind of thing where, you know, like obviously we maybe we're making excuses here, but as Liam said, you know, you could get a, a you know a cheaper speed suit, whether it's from kind of Castelli or Sportfall or No Pins or another brand, for example, and um, you know, if you're spending less on it, then the kind of cost per watt figure comes down quite drastically, you know, assuming they offer a similar gains. But like as as Liam says, it you know, it wasn't that comfortable and perhaps you know, maybe it might look a little bit silly if you're if you're not racing, you're just going on your club ride. It's kind of one of those things, right? For four hundred pounds, you know, thirty seconds over sixty kilometers. If you're doing a hundred and twenty kilometer road race, that's a minute. And you know, if you're racing, it's kind of an and a bit of a no brainer, really, because you know it's a lot less money than buying a new bike. Sure. What's next? So the next one was uh, in terms of you know cost per watt was Aero wheels. Now we tested, as you said, Mavic 
What is it? Axiom. Axiom. Never, I'm never going to get used to that. No, don't like it. I'll, I'll keep on. We'll have to I'll keep contact on. Mavic and yeah, get them to change, change the name. Branding. So we tested those wheels, which I have already forgotten, <laughs> <laughs> versus a set of Hunt 54 Aerodynamicist carbon disc wheel sets. Now those saved a very healthy 10.17 watts at 35 kilometers per hour, which equates to a time saved over 60 kilometers of 1 minute and 36 seconds for a cost per watt of £93.44, and pence, given they cost £949. We should say that they're a relatively, I'm going to use the word affordable here, um, please don't send me hate mail for <laughs> saying affordable, they are at the mid-range yeah, of wheel sets, so. but also these wheels are a model that have won in the World Tour as well, I think that's they? right, yeah, they've been used. Dimension data. That's right, I think they won a stage in the Giro last year. So it just shows that you don't need to spend thousands just a no. thousand yeah so so this is this is the kind of thing so i think you know because we tested at a range of your angles uh, from you know as far as i'm aware kind of aero wheels tend to perform better at higher higher yours if you've seen wind tunnel charts from wheel tests you know they tend to be kind of quite closely grouped at zero degrees your and then the deeper rims tend to perform better at higher your so now for slower riders that's obviously quite good as we discussed earlier you tend to experience more high your situations so aero wheels are you know they are an effective upgrade but ultimately you still got to find almost a thousand pounds in your, you know, somewhere in your, in your, in your, in your bank or your pocket to to kind of get into them. So there is still a significant uh, kind of barrier, but it was nice to know that they actually do work. Yeah, we were testing against pretty brick-like wheels, weren't we? The old Mavic Axiom <laughs> isn't isn't an optimized wheel set, but yeah. like we say, it's one wheel set that we see on a load of entry-level bikes. Sure. But also, we've all had them in the past, um, and they're dependable wheels, but what do you upgrade on your bike when you want it to look good? Oh, it's the wheels, isn't it? Yeah. Anyway, moving on. Okay, well, so the next up in our little list of best value aero upgrades was the Aero Socks. Now, these cost £28, uh, but surprisingly, they only saved 0.33 watts. This was a surprising one for me because I've heard um, Josh Portner out of Silka mm -hmm. kind of you know claimed that aero socks are going to save you 5 watts so i was i was amazed that it didn't even save a watt but <laughs> my my ones that simon lent me for the day because i don't own any aero socks they they they've seen a few races haven't they yeah. um they've seen the the washing machine yeah but not well. but not as many times as you would think i mean what liam's alluding to is basically they they started falling down yes, during the did. test and that's because you know because they're not like a normal sock with a kind of stretchy knitted yarn the kind of aero fabric that you know sits over your calf has then silicon grippers on the inside but unfortunately you know like the these the stickiness of these silicon grippers tends to wear out after a few i mean those, those have probably seen you know a dozen races something like that so like you know I'll, i think we can leave it to the listeners to decide whether that's a lot or not very much for example now you know it is it is a tiny gain there's there's no getting away from that but it does equate to a kind of time saved over 60 kilometers of six seconds so you know like for most people that's that's not going to change your life, and that's absolutely fine. So I probably wouldn't I wouldn't bother wearing these for a club run. I mean, does that sound? Yeah, we would all agree. I think mm -hmm. so. I yeah. Think so and uh, you know they're not likely to be as comfortable. I would have thought to wear over a long period. Well, not of time if they well. fall down. Well, not not if they no. But if you're, you know, sun cream and socks yeah. and sweat and all that stuff with silicon, I'm not so sure about that. I know you get that on bib shorts, but yeah. So and and it comes 
at £28 for the kind of set, they come to a cost per watt of £84.90, which obviously, yeah, it doesn't really make sense because obviously Liam didn't even save a single watt, but, you know, you kind of you kind of get it, right? Like, yeah. I think it's, okay, it's one of those things where, you know, the wattage savings that you would see from, you know, as you say, Silka or other brands who kind of make these things is they're going to be higher at higher speeds because of the laws of physics, as we've already discussed. You know, if you're the kind of, if you're racing, you're doing time trials and you are riding at higher speeds, or, you know, you're kind of, you're doing road racing and you're winning sprints, or, you know, you're whatever, right? You're racing and those six seconds are important to you. Then this is, you know, for 28 pounds, 28 pounds to save six seconds. You know, plenty of races have been won and lost by way less than six seconds. And so, you know, if that's what it means to you, then again, bit of a no-brainer, but... If you're not racing, I just don't think these are these are not where it's at. No, that's fair enough. Next one. So the next one was uh, Aero Road Helmets. Now we tested this versus a kind of standard uh, road helmet, and we actually kept the brand the same. So we kind of tested the Laser Vento Kinetocore, which is the Aero Road Helmet, and we tested that against the Laser Genesis, which is a kind of very similar shape, mm-hmm. but very heavily vented. And actually... This one was a really good saving. This one saved 7.56 watts at 30 km, 35 kilometers per hour, which equated to a minute and a half over 60 kilometers. And at 250 pounds, that was a cost per watt of 33 pounds and six pence, which is a significant step up. Mm. Any issues with this helmet, though? Well, what do you think? What do you think, Liam? Like, you, I think I remember you telling me that you could feel the difference in the kind of the way the wind pulled over your head when you were wearing these two. Yeah, so at naught and five degree of your you can feel the air pulling over your head really, really well. Mm-hmm. That feeling that we've all had with aero helmets of quite targeted airflow um, over the scalp um, and then the yaw changed to 10 degrees and that cut off. <laughs> um, so this one wasn't maybe the best to use in uh, a crosswind if it was an extreme crosswind and you were trying to stay cool, which I'm pretty sure only applies to riders that are doing the Dubai tour or whatever <laughs> it is. Yeah. Um, round here, when it's when it's a crosswind, you're also not looking to stay cool. Yeah, so it's, it's kind of a trickier one. I think, you know, for me, I was surprised how much difference this makes. You know, this is sort of three quarters of the way to the saving you get for what we, we, we found from an aero wheel set, but at a quarter of the price. Yeah. Uh, and I thought that, you know, I, I, I knew that aero helmets were, you know, a, a good thing to to have, but I was surprised at the kind of magnitude of the difference considering that they only kind of change, you know, what's on your head. But I guess, you know, as Liam's already alluded to, when you're sat up with your head in the wind, <laughs> you know, it's something that can be you know, optimised more. So, so, yeah, like, obviously, the kind of caveat with aero road helmets, as already mentioned, is that, you know, you're nearly always sacrificing some cooling in favour of you know increased aerodynamics because they essentially close off the vents and have a smoother surface. Now, yeah. you know different brands of helmets will have different approaches to this, um, but you know if you're doing lots of, in my experience, aero road helmets tend to work best when you're going fast. And as Liam says, there's that like kind of targeted airflow. And if you're riding fast, a lot of air gets pushed through those vents at high speeds, and that can offer very effective cooling. Mm-hmm. But then on the flip side, if you're not riding at high speed, that lack of kind of ventilation means heat can't really escape from your head so much. And so for like kind of hot days when you're kind of climbing or riding at slower speeds, aero road helmets can feel a little bit stuffy in my experience. So it's just kind of like, it's a really good saving, but 
if, if your head ends up being really uncomfortable and really hot on a really hot day, they're like, I, I just don't know if that's worth it. But, you know, for, if, you, if you say, Liam, in this country, where the weather's always rubbish, you know, maybe that's an advantage. So, it's, so yeah, a re, a re, an aero road helmet was a really effective gain, but just kind of be careful when and where you're using them. So the next one we tested in terms of um, cost per watt was narrow handlebars. Now, the ones that we tested, Liam went from 40 centimetre handlebars down to 36 centimetre handlebars, and it saved 2.43 watts or 18 seconds over 60 kilometres. Now, the reason this was such good value at £8.65 per watt was because I happened to have a set of Rose Attack GF handlebars, which cost just £21. So it's a really nice handlebar. It's got a kind of like 36 centimetre yeah. hoods position, a kind of a little bit of flair. It's very, very cheap. But of course, if your bike has a more integrated front end, you won't be able to just stick a kind of aluminium round handlebar on if it. If you've got a modern road bike, this is going to cause you so many headaches, <laughs> um, especially if the bike brand that you've bought from just decided that... 40 centimeters was the narrowest or 42 yeah, yeah 42 yeah so so that that's kind of the problem here is that like if you've got a non-integrated bike this this is a very easy one to switch to yeah. you know but if you have a bike with you know a 42 centimeter integrated handlebar this could cost you 500 pounds to switch to and then all of a sudden you're looking at a cost per watt which is way higher you know like 18 seconds over 60 kilometers, you know, that's 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 uh, three times what you saved with aero socks, for example. Not a huge gain, of course, but sorry, you're looking at me with a funny grin, Liam. Yeah, because I can <laughs> say that my ethos is faster than most modern road <laughs> aero bikes. Well, that's his opportunity to say that. Yeah. Moving on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you. So, you know, and, and then, of course, yeah, we also have the kind of like the bike fit implications and, and possibly also handling implications to contest with as well. Now, uh, you know, am I saying that everyone should just go out and you know whack a 36 centimetre bar on their handle on, the, on their bike, you know, regardless of shape, size, person, application? Like, no. I, I think Liam swapping from his kind of baseline 40 centimetre handlebar to a 36 centimetre handlebar on what is a pure road bike, you know, just going two sizes down, makes a lot of sense but if you're a really big person and you're kind of riding you know a 44 centimeter handlebar jumping to a 36 centimeter handlebar is more like four sizes and that potentially you know if you if you're quite broad might not be the most comfortable thing for you you know you might find it too narrow to handle comfortably so there are bike fit implications and it is worth considering that if you're going to consider this change i would agree with that especially you know it's not just you know the width of your so shoulders in relation to where your hands are as well. It's the compression that it puts on your wrists, the positions of your hoods. All these things can have an impact on the angles that you then have to sort of take the bra you know the brace against the road with. Um, so yeah, it's definitely we're not saying make this change. We're simply saying that it's a valid change you can make should your bike fit allow you to do so. Yeah, and you know likewise if you're racing something you know, like road bike time trials or even, you know, you're considering racing on the track, for example, you know, you could go even narrower. Like a lot of the kind of elite track riders these days are riding with handlebars kind of, you know, around 25 centimetres to 30 centimetres wide. Now, I'm not saying that anyone should do that on their road bike. I have actually tested it. Like for me, as a kind of relatively narrow person, it was okay, but there were a lot of obvious compromises. But if you're just racing, you know, very short events on the track, you know, the gains from that could be even bigger and you might be able to go, you know, even faster for, again, for very little money. So it's it because it affects the way your body hits the wind, 
it's kind of a good aero upgrade but yeah like as we've kind of said this this one does come with a few caveats i would i would also say that if you have a non-integrated front end on your road bike a 20 quid gamble ain't that much to kind of throw at the bike so you can kind of test it and maybe you could buy a 38 centimeter at the same time and just fit them don't wrap the bars yet go out for a couple of rides and see how you get on and then just make your own choice great what's next so our number two product in our list was down to number two we are yeah so we're we're, yeah we're getting towards we're getting towards the real the really meaty stuff here was uh clip on aero bars and those saved 31 watts at 35 kilometers per hour uh for six minutes and 21 seconds over 60 kilometers now, I think I gave you a different price because I paid, in the video, I said it was £80 because that's what I originally paid for. But when I did Ooh. the article, I looked them up and they've actually gone up in price. Oh, no. So there's a little bit of a continuity error. But on my on the article online, which is the kind of official price now, they cost £117. But that still works out to a cost per watt of £3.73, pence, which is fantastic value mm. when you think about it. Mm. Like, you know, that's that's way better than an aero road helmet for example and yeah to save six six uh six minutes and 21 seconds over 60 kilometers per hour we were no longer in marginal gains territory no it's significant and obviously we we're not saying that you should go and fit these on before your first cat four road race because you will be (laughs) disqualified they're obviously illegal in certain events but if you are doing some even some touring Mm. and you know, that gives you another position to be in on long miles. Go for it. It doesn't matter how your bike looks. It doesn't matter what other people think. If it's comfortable for you and it's faster and you want to use it occasionally, go for it. Why not? Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. But there's also a safety element as well. If you're in a group ride situation and you want to get faster for your group ride, having and using aero bars can either be by the club, you know, frowned upon told you shouldn't be using them uh, but it can be unsafe as long as you're not in total control of your bike when you're please, resting on please them. don't yeah 100% so, yeah, no we really yeah. Do need to fly. yeah no error no error bars in group in group rides yes. or, or races please but like yeah uh, you know i think and most people will kind of know this is this is probably a really obvious one is that most people will know that clip on error bars make your body very aerodynamic because they bring your elbows in they allow you to kind of like relax your head and your shoulders and get those down and you can kind of have a flatter back you know it's like having a kind of you know riding around in the drops at all time but you're not having to support your own weight for your muscles so it's much more sustainable mm. um i think yeah as as liam said if you're touring or maybe you're riding gravel or you're doing audaxes or you know something like that like any any kind of event where it's sort of these are allowed and it's safe to do so, these are a real no brainer. And you know, like I, I, like I don't really ride much gravel, but I, I have followed all the kind of spirit of gravel arguments around. You know, should aero bars be allowed? Should they be banned? And like I can tell you, if they were allowed in the event that I was doing, I would one hundred percent have a set of these because they are. You you can will not find basically a be- a better more sustainable aero upgrade for your money, especially when you're doing two hundred miles, yeah, off road. No, exactly. Well, no matter the distance, right? Like even if it was ten miles, like I would always choose to have aero bars than not if it was if it was about going fast. The only way that you're going to like gravel is if they do ten mile gravel time trials, oh, isn't it? I'd love it. Yeah, if I can have disc wheels with gravel tires on them. <laughs> 
I, I think I think when you go through the Purdy Gates one day, you'll, you'll walk <laughs> through and you'll be just faced with like thousands of like people on time trial bikes or like with on uh, with uh, ex- bar extensions. I think I'm going to hell. <laughs> <laughs> you might well be. You might well be for ruining Liam's Athos <laughs> in the wind tunnel. <laughs> yeah, that is a cardinal sin. So, what's the winner then? What's the most valuable or the best bang for buck upgrade you can make? So it's body position. Whoa! Whoa! Shocking! Is yeah. It? Okay, so as we said earlier, the the specific body position we're talking about was the kind of aero hood position, and that saved uh, Liam 22.38 watts, which is just slightly less than the 31 watts were saved to the aero bars. Uh, and that's, but it equates to a time saving of four minutes and twenty four seconds over sixty kilometers. But of course, for a cost per watt basis, mm-hmm. it was absolutely free. So it cost Liam nothing to do that. So we should say that we're. We're changing from on the hoods, mm-hmm. kind of arms in a slightly bent but comfortable, relaxed position to the, fully the of the countryside sort yeah, of position. Yeah, to, yeah. to full on race mode. Yep. Yeah. And and I think that therein lies the issue with this. And because I alluded to earlier, you know, clip on aero bars support your weight. When you're doing this, you have to brace your weight with your upper arm muscles. And as you know, most people will know that's quite difficult, isn't it, Liam? You know, funnily enough, it is. Um, <laughs> neck as well? N- no, shoulders and neck were fine. I'm relatively used to the position. My issue came because we were testing. Uh, they they didn't need me to ride at a given wattage. Mm-hmm. So I was just like, well, test at like 180 watts or something, or 130. Mm. Nothing for me. <laughs> If I'm adopting that position, I need to be in kind of um, pace line through and off group ride mode. Putting out more power. Riding at your kind of FTP. Trying to go around Castle Coombe as fast as possible with the elites kind of thing. Mm. And yeah, if I don't have that kind of core support supporting my arms, Mm. my triceps were just burning in hell. And these were 30 second runs. Yeah, at a time. Yeah, and I think so. so obviously, as as Liam says, like when, if you're kind of in a race scenario in the real world and you're trying to go as hard as you can, when you're pushing on the pedals, you're you know that effort is supporting some of your body weight, and therefore you're not having to, to brace it all through your kind of triceps. But nevertheless, you know, I, I occasionally ride in this position when I've gone out on group rides with my friends and, and in races in the past. It is still a hard position compared to using a set of clip-on aero bars. So, you know, this isn't going to be something we could probably be recommending to Audax riders or, you know, those out for a kind of like touring cycle because, yeah, like it will make you more aerodynamic, but it is also going to cost you a lot in terms of energy. So it's just kind of one of those things. Now, of course, you know, as with anything, you can train your body and, you know, as Liam's already alluded to he's been in the gym honing himself chiseling away at the fine specimen of a man that he is (laughs) um i don't know if it's to improve your aero position or if that's just tangential to the you know funnily enough it's not (laughs) no to be is to be a better human i've I've had too long of being a cyclist and i'd like to be (laughs) functional yeah, but if you know if you're a racer and you're thinking about this, you know this is a very significant error upgrade. It costs you nothing, but I think if you're going to make the most of it, you're going to have to go out there and spend significant time during training riding in order to kind of hold this position. It doesn't kind of it's not free in terms of you know that sense. It's just free in terms of money spent. It's it's that effort to what it saves you kind of ratio, like the the skin suit, the wheels, the helmet, the socks, yeah. all purchasable 
in an evening when you've had one too many glasses yeah. of wine. And the the aero position needs, and I'm not talking like a week of work or a month of work, it is six months to a year of working at it specifically. And the reason that the pros can do it is because they ride 25, 30 hours a week. And within that time, they will do specific intervals in these positions so that they can go and do it in the races. And if you're sitting at home thinking, oh yeah, I would like to be able to do that, doesn't need to be a crazy five-hour session where you stay in this position all the time. But, you know, if you're thinking, oh, I want to, you know, target that StravaCom or I want to do half an hour at zone three, do it in that position. It will just reap so many rewards. I think this is an incredibly good gain. And yeah, certainly if you're going for a Strava KOM or, you know, you don't want to get dropped by your friends, you know, like this is this is the bit, the big thing that you can do is get your body into a more aerodynamic position and it costs you absolutely nothing. And, you know, obviously we haven't tested bikes in in this test, but I would be very surprised if you saw a 22.38 watt gain from upgrading to a new bike, right? Yeah, yeah it's possible to get that kind of gain literally without spending a penny just by adapting your body position you don't have to do it all the time but the more you can do it the faster you're going to go and the, the thing about body positions you know when you're riding around on a given ride is you can change them as well and it's, it's adaptable so if you are riding into a headwind you might be more inclined to adopt that because you'll save more watts because you'll be into that headwind there'll be more wind that you're having to push out the way so by optimizing yourself in that way it'll be a little bit better for you whereas if you're in a tailwind you don't you you still can do this and it still will make you faster but if you've got a howling tailwind as i did for parts of my ride yesterday i still got into a more aero position because i thought well i want to make the most of this because you're it. going faster so am, then aero makes doing, more of a difference i'm doing 50 kilometers an hour and that's not very normal for me so you know <laughs> it's it's it, it swings around about with that but you you know it, there, there are ways to employ it in in small doses we're not saying go out there and ride in that position 100 all the time because well i don't think you'd be able to see <laughs> your chiropractor before very very strong strong arms if you're going to do that but if anyone wants to read the full reviews uh, and our full our full sort of deep dive into this test uh, you can see it on bikeradar.com from uh, from today i believe um you can see it you can read it about it in cycling plus magazine which is on in uh, in all good Issue 404 on sale from March the 16th. You didn't memorise that, did you? No. <laughs> Only the ones where my coffee's going in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course, of course. And uh, it's also on the YouTube channel, isn't it, Liam? Yeah, it's much better if you go and watch it and completely disregard all written content. Although True. Liam has said that if you buy a copy of the magazine, he will be signing the covers since he is on the cover of this, this issue. So You've if been you here 30 minutes and you're on the cover of Cycling Plus already. There so if you'd, like, been here for years if you'd like a signed picture of Liam, you can email us at podcast.biteradar.com. And Leah will send you an autograph. I'm, I'm not guaranteeing it's going to be a nice photo that you get back. <laughs> well, let's see, let's see if that does get, get anyone to email in. Uh, but also, if you have any questions about today's podcast, please email us at podcast at bikeradar.com. And if you have enjoyed this podcast, uh, please give us a five-star rating because that helps us reach other cyclists like you. But, you know, just you know, tells us that we're doing a reasonable job. At the same time, if uh, if you think we could do better, please, uh, please give us a... Th- one through four star rating if you if you feel that that's necessary as well. No, I just wouldn't 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 leave it. No, I wouldn't leave it. If you're not if you don't think we're doing well, send us an email on how we can improve, but don't leave us a rating. (laughs) Please not yet. Let us let us try it. Yeah, we'd like we would really like to make amends. Yeah. Yeah. Give us give us a chance. We're nice. Thank you for joining me guys. Cheers. 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 
Thanks for listening to the Bike Radar Podcast. If you've not done so already, please subscribe and share with your friends or leave us a rating if you've enjoyed this episode. 